Yo, what is going on, Cover 7 family? Welcome back to yet again another episode here on the Cover 7 with Mason Pierce podcast. And guys, in today's episode, we're going to be recapping all of our NFL action from week 14, or week 13, sorry, I'm thinking of college football, week 13 of the 2022 NFL season. We had a bunch of great games to kick us off on Thursday night. We had the Bills and Patriots, and then also on Sunday night football, we had the Cowboys and Colts. And then to wrap everything up on Monday night, we had Tom Brady and the Buccaneers taking on their NFC South rival, the New Orleans Saints. But before we start talking about all of that and getting into all of our games we had over the course of Week 13, I want to ask y'all to please make sure that you like, comment, share, rate, do whatever you can just to make sure we continue to spread the Cover 7 podcast so that everybody can stay up to date with anything college football and NFL related. So guys, kind of the thing that we always say here on the Cover 7 podcast, I do not want to waste y'all's time. I don't want to waste my time either. So let's get right into today's episode. And like I said a little bit earlier on, to kick us all off here in week 13 of the 2022 NFL season, we're going to go to Foxborough, Massachusetts on Thursday night football as we had an AFC East matchup, a pretty decent matchup too, between the Patriots and the Bills. Now in this game for the Buffalo Bills, they would be without their star edge rusher Vaughn Miller for the next four games. As prior to the game, he would be placed on IR, which means he will be out for the next four games at minimum. So that's obviously a big loss on their line. But they also would be getting back their former first-round pick out of Miami, Greg Rousseau, who's an amazing pass rusher in and of, in and of himself. I think he's like six foot five, got incredible speed. You know, really good off the edge. You know, the offense is still going to do their normal offensive things, right? You got. Obviously, Josh Allen and Stephon Diggs, one of the best duos in all the NFL. But you're going up in this game. They're going up against a really solid New England Patriot defense who definitely got a little little bit exposed last week against the Vikings. But we're looking to bounce back this week against the Buffalo Bills. And we'll end this game. The New England Patriots offensive line went right back to where they've been for pretty much the entirety of this season. Last week against the Vikings, they did pretty good being able to make sure that, you know, Mac Jones had enough time in the pocket to be able to throw the football, get it out to his wide receivers. And in this game, you know, despite the Bills not having Vaughn Miller, you know, Terrell Basham, EJ Epinesa, and then also Greg uh, Greg Rozeau, or Greg Rozeau, who we talked a little bit about earlier, they all were dominating this game. I know when you look at the, the stats, you don't see a lot of sacks or tackles for losses. You're probably like, what are you talking about? But when you watch this game, Matt Jones literally had to scramble out of the pocket, I think, for almost every single one of his drop back passes in this game. And then to add on top of that, Matt Jones struggled throwing the football in the flats a ton in this game. Him and Ramondre Stevenson could not get anything going in the receiving game. Matt Jones would overthrow him at least a decent amount of times. Let's say probably about four to five times in this game so something you definitely do not want to see and then also it's just it was a really bad game if you liked offensive football at least for the Patriots because man did they struggle just in general whether it was in the run game or throwing the football but the one positive that did come out of this game was Marcus Jones who had that great punt return for a touchdown the game winning punt return for a touchdown against the Jets a few weeks ago he was the MVP MVP for the Patriots this game which isn't really saying a lot because statistically on the day, he had two receptions for 51 yards receiving and one touchdown. One of those being a jet, or I don't know, it was a jet sweep. It was a screen pass that he took for 48 yards to the house. And that was the first ever snap he had on offense too. So, you know, a guy that's predominantly been on defense and special teams, first snap on offense, gets his first NFL career offensive touchdown. And, you know, outside of that, when you look at it also too, 
uh, Mac Jones statistically didn't have a horrible game. You know, 22 for 36, 195 yards passing with one touchdown and zero interceptions. But his offensive line just continued to struggle. And, you know, everything that happened last week just went completely out the window in this game because that Buffalo Bill defense just absolutely stopped that Patriot offense. And then on the flip side for the Bills offense, Josh Allen and those guys didn't have to do a lot. I mean, they really didn't have their biggest game that we've kind of seen them have. But, man, did they have a good game. Josh Allen, 22 of 33, 223 yards passing with two touchdowns and zero interceptions on the day. Really solid performance by him. And then also the run game. The run game was really good, which also enabled the, the receiving game to kind of open up a little bit as well. James Cook, the uh, fourth-round pick out of Georgia, who I think was an absolute steal for the Buffalo Bills. 14 carries for 64 yards rushing. And then Devin Singletary would also have 50-plus of his own with 13 carries for 51 yards rushing and one touchdown. So not only are the Buffalo Bills doing good in the receiving game, they've also got a pretty underrated running back duo with Devin Singletary and James Cook, which now I think kind of begs the question that I don't think they really needed to trade for a running back. You know, they went and got Naeem Hines from Indianapolis at the trade deadline, but Naeem Hines is kind of filled in a little bit better in terms of being the kind of uh, special teams guy, kick returner, punt returner. So they've at least fulfilled that role. You know, Isaiah McKenzie always could do that, but since they've kind of put Isaiah McKenzie more as now of a slot wide receiver, it's allowed for him not to continue to have to take those reps. But also – Past game, pretty good as well. Stephon Diggs continued to do Stephon Diggs things. Seven receptions for 92 yards receiving one touchdown. I mean, he gave Jonathan Jones, New England starting cornerback, just a ton of trouble in this game. I mean, the route running that Stephon Diggs has is just absolutely incredible. And he showcased a ton of that in this game. And then Isaiah McKenzie, who we talked about as well, had 44 receiving yards of his own. As the Bills offense were also able to really dominate. Had 24 points of their own on the Patriots' 10. And... You know, for the Patriots, their defense was not all that bad. I mean, yes, obviously, you know, not a good performance. But, you know, in comparison to what they did against the Vikings last week, not that bad. But the offense just went back to the struggles, went back to what, you know, really killed them against the Jets. And, unfortunately, I think not having Josh McDaniels was a huge hit to this Patriot offense. And it's definitely showing, I mean, having Matt Patricia and Joe Judge being your offensive coordinators does not seem to really be working for this New England Patriot team as the Buffalo Bills get a big Thursday night football win against their in-division rival, the New England Patriots, 24-10 as the Bills, they now improve to 9-3 on the season, and the Patriots, they now fall to 500 at 6-6, six six. so great win for the Bills as they're continuing to just, you know, kind of prove to their case that, hey, you know, we're talking, oh, we're always talking about the Kansas City Chiefs, but don't forget about the Buffalo Bills, who also in this game didn't have Tredavious White, who I thought was in for some reason, but he was out of this game, and then also didn't have their first-round pick out of Florida in uh, Kair El alum so they're missing their two top cornerbacks so this Buffalo Bills team is no joke as they go on the road and get a big time win up in Foxborough so guys that'll wrap up our Thursday night football game so now let's go to Sunday aka our main slate day of games so obviously to kick it off we're going to talk about our noon slate our early slate because I know it's kind of a little bit easier thing to say so but to kick it all off our first game of Sunday that we're going to talk about here in week uh, 13 is going to be Russell Wilson and the Denver Broncos, who offense continues to be historically one of the worst offenses we have ever seen, taking on Lamar Jackson and the struggling Baltimore Ravens, at least on the offensive side of the football, right? You know, play calling has been absolutely horrendous, and we saw a little bit more of that in this game. But, um, you know, there'd be a lot, and I mean a lot of things, that the Baltimore Ravens would go through in this game. The biggest one being them losing their starting quarterback, Lamar Jackson, to a knee injury in this game. Now, we don't know how long he's going to be gone for yet. I don't want to make any speculations or anything like that. 
but hopefully everything is okay with him. So they would have to go with their backup quarterback, Tyler Huntley, who could honestly be a starter in the NFL. And, well, just it wasn't a bad game, but nothing crazy. 27-32, 187 yards passing with zero touchdowns and then one interception. You know, the offensive line struggled a lot, too, so he was constantly having to run out of the pocket, never was really able to get his foot set and throw the football. And, you know, offensively, if you really wanted to watch a game for offense and you really wanted a lot of excitement, this was just not the game for you as there would, there would only be one touchdown scored in this game and it wouldn't come until late in the fourth quarter, which would be by the Baltimore Ravens. And then if you're a Denver Bronco fan, pain just continues to come your way. And I mean, just continues and continues and continues as this offense once again manages to not score a touchdown. You know, only scored one touchdown the week before, only scored one touchdown the week before, and in this week, they don't even get one touchdown. Russell Wilson on the day, 17 to 22, 189 yards passing with zero touchdowns and zero interceptions. You know, he'd be sacked twice in this game. Also, his offensive line played horrendous as well. And, you know, running the football, another game where they had less than 100 total rushing yards. Throwing the football a little bit better. The rookie out of UCLA, Greg Dolkich, uh, I think that's how you pronounce his last name. Six receptions for 85 yards receiving. Jerry Judy finally was able to bounce back a little bit, even though most of his yardage came off of one play. But he did have four receptions for 65 yards receiving. But outside of that, that would really be all the offense we had in this game. But, however, though, the Denver Broncos... Their star safety, Justin Simmons, had himself a really good game and gave them a lot of opportunities that, unfortunately, the offense just never capitalized off of. Justin Simmons would have two interceptions in this game, one being off of a really, really, really bad um, schemed reverse play by the Baltimore Ravens in which they would get um, Prochet to throw the football, who was a wide receiver. I don't think he's ever really done anything like that. So kind of head-scratching a little bit, but overall just a really bad game if, if, you are, if you are a fan of offense in general. And despite the Broncos' defense playing really well, just the offense of the Broncos continues to struggle as the Baltimore Ravens go on to beat the Broncos 10-9 in one of the most lackluster games we have had so far this season as the Ravens they now improve to eight and four on the year and then the Denver Broncos they now fall to three and nine and are sitting bottom of the AFC West after they were thought to be potentially one of one of the AFC West teams that we see at number two or three in the AFC West so just a horrifyingly bad season for the Denver Broncos as I think really Nathaniel Hackett's days are coming to a close I fully would expect him to get fired at least by the end of the year because Man, this has got to be one of the worst offenses, I think, probably in NFL history. I know it's kind of a really hard thing to say, but I mean, man, this it, just watching this offense is horrible. And it really it really makes you kind of, you know, face palm, you know what I'm saying, and kind of question, these are professional athletes that are getting paid multi-millions of dollars, you know, so, so much money, yet they can only put up field goals in a game, so... Anyway, the Denver Broncos, despite dealing with some more injuries in this game on the offensive side of the football, they managed to escape away with a W against the uh, Denver Broncos in the last few minutes of the game. Now, y'all, for our next noon game that we're going to talk about, we're going to go up to Philadelphia as we had kind of a revenge game. You know, A.J. Brown got traded from the Titans. You know, the Titans didn't want to pay him all the money that he was going to be needed to get. So they decided, you know, we'll ship him out, get a younger version of him in uh, Traylon Burks from Arkansas. And, well, that trade's starting to look very one-sided as of lately because A.J. Brown in his revenge game against the Tennessee Titans, he balled out. Eight receptions, 119 yards receiving, and two receiving touchdowns. One of those being just an absolutely spectacular catch in the corner of the end zone. 
I mean, this matchup, and I even expected this to happen, you have a young safety, or you have a young secondary of the Tennessee Titans going up against one of the best wide receiver trios in all the NFL with with Quez Watkins. You got Devontae Smith, the Heisman winner. And then A.J. Brown, who has been one of the more underrated wide receivers in the NFL. And, I mean, him and Devontae Smith were just unstoppable. You know, Devontae also was able to have a 100-yard receiving game, 102 receiving yards on the day with one touchdown. The run game, which really helped carry last week, was able to kind of relax a little bit. You know, did get two rushing touchdowns, one of those coming from Jalen Hurts. Miles Sanders would only have 24 rushing yards on the day with one touchdown. But the, but the receiving game of the Eagles would really be the story because, as we all know, the Titans have a really good front seven, right? They're Defensive line is really good. So the Eagles, they made the right adjustments. They said, "Hey, you know what? We'll attack the weakness. We'll attack the weaknesses of this Tennessee Titans defense, and the, definitely their weaknesses. And we've seen these past few weeks is the secondary, and that is exactly what they did. Jalen Hurts played at an MVP level in this game: 29 for 39, 380 yards passing with three touchdowns and zero interceptions. And you know, a lot of credit needs to be given also to the Philadelphia Eagles defense because they didn't allow Derrick Henry to get more than. 30 rushing yards on the day on 11 carries. So really good job by that front of the Philadelphia Eagles to allow them not to get really anything. Um, you know, the only touchdown of the game would come by the hands of Traylon Burks, you know, the replacement of A.J. Brown, which was a scary hit. Hopefully everything is okay with Traylon. But outside of that, Tennessee's offense just could not do do anything this entire game. And also, you know, kind of another positive for Philadelphia as well. You know, a, a guy that should have been a first-round pick in last year or this this past year's draft, Nicobe Dean out of Georgia. He led the team in tackles in this game, six total tackles and a tackle for loss. So it's good to see him kind of getting back up into his old form because, you know, he dropped so much in the draft. I think he fell, I think it was the fourth round, and he was supposed to be, you know, an early first or I think it was like a late first, early second-round pick. So the fact that he was able to have a pretty good game against this Tennessee Titan team is just really good. As this Eagles team, man, they're looking really, really dangerous as they now improve onto the year to 11-1. and And the Titans, they now fall to 7-5 and as the Philadelphia Eagles beat the Tennessee Titans 35-10. to Now, y'all, for our next game that we're going to talk about, we're going to go down to Atlanta, Georgia, as we had Kenny Pickett and the Pittsburgh Steelers taking on the Atlanta Falcons. And, well... The Pittsburgh Steelers, they're on a little bit of a roll so far. You know, I doubted them last week against the Colts. They made me regret that. And, you know, once again, they're showing a lot of improvement. Kenny Pickett improved a ton, 16 of 28, 197 yards passing with one touchdown in this game and zero interceptions, which I know I keep saying it week and week and week, but the fact that Kenny Pickett is not making those same mistakes is huge in terms of his uh, development as a quarterback. And, you know, also, too, the run game, which dominated last week against the Colts, was really good Was really good again this week. You know, they had Najee Harris for a full game this time, 86 rushing yards. Benny Snell, who was kind of the star last week for the uh, Pittsburgh Steelers, he had 24 of his own. Um, Steven Sims, 19. Kenny Pickett would have 14 of his own. And also receiving-wise, Pat Fryermuth, who I absolutely loved when he came out of Penn State and has absolutely balled out so far in his young career with the Steelers. 76 yards receiving. Deontay Johnson had 60. And then a really cool story would a really cool story would actually happen in this game. So as we all know, the Pittsburgh Steelers, they have an all-time great defensive lineman in Cameron Hayward. And well, his younger brother, who's an actual who's a tight end and is a rookie for the Pittsburgh Steelers, Connor Hayward, a six-round pick out of Michigan State, he would get his first career touchdown in this game. He, I mean, he would only have that one catch, but it'd be for 17 yards and one touchdown. So really cool the fact that, you know, 
the younger brother of a Hall of Famer for the Pittsburgh Steelers, who's playing with the Steelers right now, is able to get his first career touchdown. So congrats to Connor Hayward for that. And then for the Atlanta Falcons, offensively, struggled a lot in this game. You know, T.J. Watt and that whole Pittsburgh Steelers defense just completely were giving them fits the entire game, not allowing them to get anything that they really wanted going. Marcus Mariota on the day, 13 for 24, 167 yards passing with one touchdown and one interception. And then Cordell Patterson, as we all know, him and Tyler Algier are kind of like their safety blanket, so to speak, right? You know, if, if everything else fails, just hand them the ball off and, well, Pittsburgh Steelers did a pretty good job of containing them as both of those guys combined would only have 150, 112 yards rushing. I almost said almost 152. 112 yards rushing. Cordell Patterson with 60 and Tyler Algier with 52. As the Pittsburgh Steelers get a great win on the road down in Atlanta, 19-16 over the Atlanta Falcons. As the Steelers, they now improve to 5-7 five or five and seven on the year. And the Atlanta Falcons, they now fall to 5-8. and eight. So great win for the Steelers. As they're starting to gain some momentum going into the, you know, they're not going to, you know, they're not going to make the playoffs. We all know that. But definitely going into the 2023 campaign, definitely this is a good way to kind of get some momentum going into the offseason. Now, y'all, for our next game, I want to talk about, and you know, I talked about it's going to be one of the more controversial games, and we all know for certain reasons we're going to go down to Houston as we had the uh, the Cleveland Browns and obviously Deshaun Watson making his uh, Cleveland Brown debut, regular season debut, mind you, taking on the Houston Texans, and well. Um, this game started off pretty wonky as uh, Kyle Allen would throw a really interesting pick that the tight end would catch, it would pop out of his hands, go up in the air, and then John Johnson, the Brown safety, would catch it. And this game really was just wonky from start to finish. Deshaun Watson in his first start with the Browns would go 12-22, of 131 yards passing with zero touchdown and one interception. And before everybody gets on Deshaun Watson's tail about, oh, well, he played horrifically, yada, 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 this guy has not played a snap of regular season football since back, I think, in January of 2021. So, obviously, there's going to be rust. You know, got to give it a few games and, you know, let him develop a little bit more. But, obviously, Deshaun Watson, you know what you're going to get, a very agile quarterback that can also throw the football really good on the run. And, you know, in this game, Nick Chubb, Kareem Hunt both balled out. 17 carries for Chubb, 9 for Kareem Hunt. Chubb would have 80 rushing yards. Hunt would have 56. Deshaun Watson would also have 21 of his own. So, I mean, hey, there's that as well. Um, Receiving-wise, nothing really crazy happened in this game. 44 yards total for Donovan Peoples-Jones, who would lead the team. And speaking of Don Donovan Peoples-Jones, he would actually have a punt return for a touchdown in this game, a 76-yard punt return. So that's pretty cool. And you know, this game felt really low scoring. I mean, when you look at the actual final score, it's like, okay, wow, the Browns did really good. But 13 of those, uh, 13 of those 27 points didn't come until the fourth quarter. But obviously, a win is the win as the Browns going on the road and Deshaun Watson's Cleveland Brown debut pick up the dub against the Houston Texans, 27 to 14. As the Browns, they now improve to five and seven on the year, and the Houston Texans, they now fall to one ten and one. Now, y'all, I think we have we have a few more games we got to talk about here in our noon slate, but we're going to go back up north to Detroit as we had Trevor Lawrence and the Jacksonville Jaguars taking on the Detroit Lions. And boy, was I wrong for not picking the Detroit Lions in this game. I will admit it, Lion fans, I am super sorry that I did not pick y'all's team because y'all absolutely balled out in this game. 
Um, Jared Goff looked really good. I mean, abs- like really, really good. 31 for 41, 340 yards passing with two touchdowns and zero interceptions. And then Jamal Williams, who continues to just absolutely demolish in terms of getting touchdowns. Kind of similar to how James Conner was last year for the Cardinals, where they used him a lot in the red zone. He picks up his 14th rushing touchdown on, on the year. You know, has also adds 35 rushing yards as well. DeAndre, Sh- DeAndre, Sh- DeAndre Swift, I'm not Swift, Swift, 14 carries for 62 yards rushing and one touchdown as well. And then Amon Ross St. Brown, who I absolutely love, one of the more underrated wide receivers in all of the NFL. You know, he's a small guy, but, man, does he play with a ton of heart. 11 receptions for 114 yards receiving and two touchdowns on the day. DJ Chark, who used to be a Jacksonville Jaguar, left in free agency to go with the Detroit Lions. Everybody was kind of questioning it. And, man, he bought out in his revenge game against his former team. Five receptions for 98 yards receiving. DeAndre DeAndre Swift, I keep wanting to say Swift. I do not know why. DeAndre Swift would also be able to get it done in the receiving game as well. You know, he's a really good receiving back as he is a rushing back. 49 receiving yards on the day for DeAndre Swift. As the Detroit Lions would absolutely suffocate this Jacksonville Jaguar team. 40-14. to 14. Now, for the Jacksonville Jaguars, there was very much an injury scare with Trevor Lawrence where there was an awkward twist when he was going down for a sack. And, you know, it, it looked like it was going to be really serious. He came back in the third quarter. I don't remember how long he played for, but eventually C.J. Beathard would come in. Trevor Lawrence on the day, 17 for 31, 179 yards passing with one touchdown and zero interceptions. But the offensive line of the Jaguars continues to be a huge issue. You know, they went out and, you know went out in the offseason. They went out and got Brandon Sheriff from Washington, who's still a really good guard, but obviously is past his prime. And, I mean, they just really need to start adding a lot more offensive pieces in terms of the offensive line. Travis Etienne, 13 carries for 54 yards receiving. Christian Kirk had a pretty good game. You know, a guy that was really criticized, you know, gave the Jaguars a lot of crud for signing him to that huge contract, which now is not even looking that bad, considering also next year they'll be getting Calvin Ridley back as well once he gets out of his suspension. Christian Kirk on the day would have six receptions for 104 yards receiving on the day. But, man, just what a game by the Detroit Lions as they would go on to dominate the Jacksonville Jaguars. 40 to 14. So great win for Dan Campbell and the Lions at home. Now, y'all, for the next game, we're going to go out to Chicago, the Windy City at Soldier Field, as we had an NFC North uh, matchup between the Green Bay Packers and the Chicago Bears. And, well, it really looked like Chicago was going to run away with this game. As at halftime, the Bears led 16 to 10. The Packers were struggling heavily on offense. And, well, in the second half, things just completely switched. And what I mean by the second half, I mean the fourth quarter because the Green Bay Packers would put up 18 unanswered in the fourth quarter. A.J. Dillon was an absolute beast in this game. 18 carries for 93 yards, rushing and one touchdown. Christian Watson, man, who had a just a tumult, just a really bad start to start to his uh, NFL campaign. Man, has he really bounced back these past few weeks, getting his eighth touchdown in the past three to four games, I think it is. I remember seeing a stat, something like that, as he would get one rushing touchdown and one receiving touchdown in this game, having 46 rushing yards and 48 receiving yards. So that kid is going to be an absolute stud for the Green Bay Packers going forward. Aaron Rodgers was nothing special. I don't think he could really say he owned the Chicago Bears in this game. 18-31, 182 yards passing with one touchdown and zero interceptions. 
And then on the flip side for the Chicago Bears, Justin Fields, he looked good running the football, had another long rushing touchdown of 50-plus yards, six carries for 71 yards rushing and one touchdown. So he once again showed all the potential he has in the run game, but the problem is is his accuracy and just judgment when it comes to throwing the football. As Justin Fields on the day would go 20-25, 254 yards passing, which isn't bad. But when you look at the touchdown-to-interception ratio, that's where things start to get a little bit more eh, as you would have zero touchdowns and two interceptions on the day, which is something you definitely don't want. But obviously not having Darnell Mooney, you know, your top wide receiver at this point is Byron Pringle, Chase Claypool, and Equinemius St. Brown. So not really that great. Equinemius St. Brown would have 85 receiving guards. Cole Komet was 72. Um, and Kill Harry would have one reception the entire game, but that one reception would be a crazy, and I mean crazy helmet catch. So shout out to Kill Harry, who hopefully is going to get his career wrapped around. But um, just this was definitely not the Bears Bears day. They continue to fumble, you know, leads going into the fourth quarter. They're not able to close out games, and they did it once again as the Green Bay Packers get a much needed win in the division over the Chicago Bears, 28 to 19. As the Packers, they now improved to five and eight on the year, and the Chicago Bears, they now fall to. 3-10. and 10. And to be honest, I think at this point we all knew the Chicago Bears are just really wanting to rebuild. They're going to have a ton of cap space going into the offseason. Over $100 million. You've got a decent amount of draft picks still. You know, you went out and traded Roquan Smith. You traded... Uh, Robert Quinn as well. So you get you got draft picks. You've got money. They're going to target heavily in terms of free agency. So hopefully in that aspect they'll be able to get things going. But um, anyways, y'all, the next game I want to talk about we're going to stay up north as we had the Washington Commanders taking on the New York Giants. And well, we would have a tie. Finally would have another tie. But um, to actually talk about how this game would go, Taylor Heineke of the Commanders, their starting quarterback who has done really well coming in replace of Carson Wentz. He would have yet another pretty solid game, 27 for 41, 275 yards passing with two touchdowns and zero interceptions. Despite being under constant pressure the entire game, he would get sacked five times as well. Overall, was did I would say pretty solid. Brian Robinson Jr., who's who just I mean we all know his story. He's an incredible story, but he's also a really good running back during his time in Alabama, and has really developed these past few weeks. Had his first 100 plus rushing yard game. I think it was was it, I think it was against the Eagles, and then almost has another 100 yard rushing game with 21 carries for 96 yards rushing. Scary Terry McLaurin also did his thing. Eight receptions for 105 yards receiving and one touchdown. Jahan Dotson, their first round pick out of Penn State, he would also also get a receiving touchdown as well to add on with his 54 receiving yards and then for the Giants you know didn't have Kenny Gallon in this game he was out with the illness Darius Slayton who they didn't know if he would be playing with the illness he was able to play and once again their top weapon would re would lead them in receiving with 90 yards receiving um, rushing wise Daniel Jones and Saquon Barkley I'd say they did their thing Daniel Jones 13 carries for 71 yards rushing Saquon Barkley with 18 carries for 63 yards rushing and also a touchdown as well Daniel Jones throwing the football you know also was dealing with pressure in this game too 25 of 31 200 and 200 yards passing with one touchdown and zero interceptions and also he would be sacked three times as well and you know Washington you know going into uh, going into the fourth quarter, they were down 20-13 to 13 against the Giants. And, well, they would get a late touchdown to tie it up. They head into overtime. And then, well, in overtime, nothing would happen as this game would end in a tie as the Commanders and Giants would tie at 20 apiece as the Commanders. They now go to 7-5-1. and one. And the New York Giants, they now go to 7-4-1 and one as well. So we now have four teams in the NFL with a tie. And now all, all – 
now, y'all, we have our final noon game as we're going to still stay up north, but we had a really good game between the New York Jets and the Minnesota Vikings up in Minnesota. And well for Mike White, in his second game starting for the New York Jets after he had a really amazing performance last week against the Chicago Bears, he'd be going up against a tougher defense in the Minnesota Vikings. And well, he also had a lot of highs but also had a decent amount of lows as he would throw two interceptions in this game, didn't get a passing touchdown, would get a rushing touchdown, which made this game really close, down to five. Um, Matt, Mike White on the day, 31 of 57, 369 yards passing with zero touchdowns and those two interceptions we just talked about. Um, you know, throwing the football, he did pretty solid, I would say. I mean, outside of throwing those two interceptions, um, Garrett Wilson, their first-round pick out of Ohio State, absolutely balled out in this game. Eight receptions for 162 yards receiving. I mean, this wide receiver class from this past year is just absolutely incredible what they've been able to do so far. Chris Olave, one of the top candidates for um, Offensive Rookie of the Year. Garrett Wilson is definitely climbing up the ranks to get that award. Corey Davis, the former Tennessee Titan and first-round pick in his own right, um, finally had a pretty good game so far to kick off his 2022 campaign. 85 receiving yards on the day as well. And then for the New York uh, Jets, they had a surprise running back come out in this game, Zonovan Knight, who is in his uh, first year out of NC State, who I'd never heard of, but, man, he balled out in this game. 15 carries for 90 yards rushing. Didn't get a touchdown, but really solid game for the rookie out of NC State. And then on the flip side for the Minnesota Vikings, Kirk Cousins, who has always been known as kind of a noon game hero, right? You know, he always wins his noon games. Looked okay in this game, 21 of 35, 173 yards passing with one touchdown and zero interceptions. Running the football, it never is really a major concern when you got Dalvin Cook at Dalvin Cook 2.0 and Alexander Mattinson. Uh, 20 carries for Dalvin Cook, 86 rushing yards and a touchdown. Alexander Mattinson would have three, rush, uh, three uh, carries for 14 yards rushing and one touchdown. Um, Receiving-wise, didn't really get a lot going. You know, spread the football out a lot. As Kirk Cousins would have six different receivers with over 10 yards receiving. Justin Jefferson obviously leading all of them with 45 yards receiving and one touchdown. And in the fourth quarter, the Minnesota Vikings almost gave up their really solid lead. You know, they led at one point 27 to 15. And while the Jets, with a Mike White rushing touchdown, almost were able to come back. And then unfortunately, things just wouldn't go their way as the Minnesota Vikings would be able to stay alive at home against the New York Jets. 27 to 22 as the Minnesota Vikings they now improve to 10 and 2 on the year and the New York Jets they now fall to 7 and 5 but they're still a really good team their defense played really solid in this game I liked what I saw out of CJ Mosley I liked what I saw out of the defensive line they still have a lot of great pieces going forward and I think Mike White who will be a great bridge quarterback for whoever the Jets next quarterback is just keep him in for the rest of the year see what you can get for him and I mean Really is going to be a season for the Jets where they're just going to you know, see what they've got going on right now. You know, what pieces do we want to build around and what pieces do we want to get rid of? For example, you want to keep guys like Garrett Wilson and Sauce Gardner long term. And then you got guys like Zach Wilson who you're like, OK, we need to do whatever we can to get this man out of here. But anyway, Minnesota, they pick up a W in our last game of our noon slate. So now let's get over to our midday, our late slate of games. And man, did we have a really solid slate of games here for our midday games. And to kick it all off, we're going to go out to Cincinnati, Ohio, as we had Patrick Mahomes and the Kansas City Chiefs taking on Joe Burrow, Joe Shiesty, as a lot of people call him, and the Cincinnati Bengals. 
Now, Joe Burrow definitely lived up to his nickname that has been given to him throughout his days at LSU and obviously now with the Bengals. As in this game, Joe Burrow was lights out, throwing the football all over the field against his Kansas City Chiefs defense, which has been pretty good the past few weeks as Joe Burrow on the day would go 25 for 31, 286 yards passing, two touchdowns, and zero interceptions. I would say that's pretty darn good. And, you know, the offensive line as well, they stepped up a ton, you know, giving him a lot more time to pass in the pocket and also opened up a lot of holes for the run game, which was phenomenal here in this game against the Kansas City Chiefs. As former Oklahoma standout running back and a guy who I've always been pretty high on, Samaj P. Ryan, who has stepped up in the absence of Joe Mixon, who is still out. I thought he was going to come back this week, but he did not play in this game. And, well, I don't think that really made a difference. If anything, I think it gave Cincinnati an upper hand because of the physicality that Samaj P. Ryan brings as well. As Samaj on the day would have 21 carries for 106 yards rushing. Just what a day for P. Ryan. And, you know, he also got it done in the, in the uh, pass game as well with 49, uh, 49 pass or receiving yards, not passing yards, receiving yards as well. And, you know, to make it even better, Joe Burrow, he also added in 46 rushing yards as well with a touchdown. And Jamar Chase in his first game back from injury. And I said that would definitely play a factor in this game. And, man, did he just absolutely tear up that secondary of the Chiefs. 97 receiving, or 97 receiving yards in his first game back. Tyler Boyd had 60. And overall, if you were a Cincinnati Bengal fan watching this game, you were pretty darn proud at how the Cincinnati Bengal offense played. But also as well as their defense play because they did not allow Patrick Mahomes to really do as many Patrick Mahomes things as we've gotten used to him doing. As Patrick Mahomes on the day we go 16 for 27, 223 yards passing with one touchdown and zero interceptions. Now normally you see a stat line like, like that, you're like, okay, it's a really good game. But for a guy like Patrick Mahomes, if you're able to limit him to just that amount, especially under 250 yards passing, you had a pretty good game defensively. Isaiah Pacheco, who continues to be one of the few bright rookies that we had in this year's class, 14 carries for 66 yards rushing and a touchdown. He's seriously going to be a weapon that Andy Andy Reid and this Chiefs offense use for years to come. And really outside of that, they didn't allow much in the pass game. Travis Kelsey would be held to under 75 yards in this game, only 56 receiving yards. He also had a really costly fumble that kind of that shifted the momentum back to Cincinnati. And ultimately, you could say really is what led them to that fourth quarter comeback as they would put up 10 unanswered points in the fourth as they'd get a big time win at home against the Kansas City Chiefs 27 to 24 as the Cincinnati Bengals they now improve to 8 and 4 on the year and the Kansas City Chiefs they now drop to 9 and 3 and the Bengals they're currently right now tied with the Baltimore Ravens for first in the AFC North and it's looking like here in a few games the Bengals they might be able to jump back up into the lead in the AFC North so kind of something just to watch for a little bit now, y'all, for our next late game that we did have, we're going to go out to San Francisco or Santa Monica, whatever. We're going to go out to the Bay as we had a really good AFC-NFC matchup between the Miami Dolphins, who have arguably the best offense in all of the NFL, taking on the San Francisco 49ers and arguably one of the best defenses in all of the NFL. So this was meant to be a great matchup. And to kick it all off, um, Tua Tagovailoa uh, connected with Trent Sherfield on a 75-yard touchdown reception, and it looked like Miami might have been able to get this thing going, you know, the way that they were able to throw the football right there on the first play of the entire game. It looked like it'd be a rough one for the San Francisco 49er defense, but they stepped up right away and got back to work as the offense started to slowly pick things up. Now, Jimmy G, he would leave this game with a foot injury, so 
in would come former Iowa State standout quarterback and Mr. Irrelevant, Brock Purdy. And well, in Brock Purdy's NFL debut or um, regular season debut, he did pretty darn good. 25 of 37, 210 yards passing with two touchdowns and one interception. He would be sacked three times, but overall did a really good job being able to just get the ball out to all the different weapons that the 49ers do have on their offense. Christian McCaffrey continued to do Christian McCaffrey things, led the team in both rushing and receiving, was 66 yards rushing and 80 yards receiving. He also had one receiving touchdown as well, so pretty solid good or pretty good game by the the former Stanford Cardinal standout. Now, defensive wise, a lot of credit needs to be given to that San Francisco 49er defense because they held Miami to under 300 yards passing, which is always good because they've got Tyreek Hill. They've they had Jalen Waddle, but Jalen Waddle would leave this game with an injury, which is very unfortunate. They didn't allow Jeff Wilson to do anything, Mike Gusecki either. So really good game for them. Now Tyreek Hill would have a okay game, nine nine receptions for 146 yards receiving and a touchdown. You know, not, nothing too bad. But outside of that. They really couldn't get anything going. I mean, Tyreek Hill was really the only weapon that the Miami Dolphins had in this game. You know, rushing the football, you know, Jeff Wilson really wouldn't get much going, so they'd have to go with Raheem Mostert, the former 49er, and he only had 30 rushing yards on the day. And then for Tua Tagovailoa, he struggled with turnovers in this game. 18 of 33, 295 yards passing with two touchdowns and two interceptions. Also would be sacked three times. Offensive line did struggle a little bit more in this game, you know, especially not having Teron Armstead too, so... Just a rough offensive day for the Miami Dolphins as the San Francisco 49ers defense continues to show why they have the best defense in all the NFL in a 33-17 win over Tua Tagovailoa and the Miami Dolphins. As the 49ers, they now improve to 8-4 and in the Miami Dolphins. They now fall to 8-4. and four. I still think they're a really good team. Injuries are kind of killing them the same way that it's killed the Chargers. It's also killed... Um, Good Lord, I can't even think of all the other teams. Like, injuries have just been a real big problem. The Ravens, you know, losing Lamar Jackson as well. So, just something to kind of monitor a little bit too now that we're talking about just all these different teams. So, anyways, y'all, the next game I want to talk about here in our late slate, we're going to go out to L.A. as we had an NFC West matchup between Geno Smith and the Seattle Seahawks taking on John Walford in the L.A. Rams. And to kick it all off in this game, as we all know, Geno Smith continues to be absolutely dynamic with his arm. As in this game, he was pretty much darn near perfect outside of throwing one interception. I know I keep saying it about a lot of quarterbacks, but Geno Smith was definitely that in this game as he would go 28 for uh, 39, 367 yards passing with three touchdowns and one interception on the day. Not too bad despite being four, being sacked four times and having his offensive line also struggle a little bit as well. You know, the run game really wasn't getting anything going. Kenneth Walker only had three carries in this game, and, you know, most of his yardage came off of one, one rush, which was 30 yards. And you could tell he was visibly a little bit upset because on the sideline he got into it a little bit with his quarterback, Geno Smith. But, you know, motions get high. It's, it's something that happens in football. But, you know, receiving-wise, Tyler Lockett and DK Metcalf, who are one of the more underrated wide receiver wide receiver duos in the NFL, they bought, they both balled out in this game. Both had over 125 receiving yards apiece. Each one had a receiving touchdown. Just a really good game if you were a Seattle Seahawks fan and liked offense. Now, the only concerning part is the Rams looked like they finally had a run game for once. Cam Akers. 17 carries for 60 yards rushing and two touchdowns, something we've just not been used to seeing. I mean, whatsoever. They had a total of 171 rushing yards with two rushing touchdowns. I mean, at least this season, that's not something we've been used to seeing from the Rams. Now, 
throwing the football. You don't have Cooper Cup. You don't have Allen Robinson. You don't have Matthew Stafford. So you really don't have anybody to throw the football to outside of Van Jefferson, Tutu Atwell, and then Tyler Higby, right? Uh, Tutu Atwell would lead the team in receiving, which normally if he leads you in receiving, it's not going to be a good day. Two receptions for 48 yards receiving. As John Walford, who got his starting spot back after Bryce Perkins has struggled the past few weeks of starting quarterback in, well, John Walford didn't really do that much better. 14 of 26, 178 yards passing with zero touchdowns and two interceptions. And funny enough, it would be the run game that would keep L.A. in this game. But ultimately, Seattle, they would pull it out in the end as they would get a 27-23 to win over their division rival, the Los Angeles Rams. As the Seahawks, they now improve to 7-5 and on the year. And the Rams, they now fall to 3-9. and Now, guys, for our final late slate game that we did have we're going to still keep it out west but this time we're going to have another division rivalry game between the los angeles chargers and the las vegas raiders now for the raiders going into this game they were sitting on a two-game win streak feeling pretty good offense has stepped up they've been able to close out you know one possession games which they had not been able to do the entire season so they had a lot of momentum riding into this game the chargers not a crazy amount. You know, they won last week against the Cardinals on that two-point conversion that Justin Herbert sent to Gerald Everett. So going into this game, you had two really solid offenses. Both defenses are, are a little bit scuffed. But in this game, once again, it'd be the offenses that would stand out. And it'd be the Raiders' offense, especially as Josh Jacobs, who had a monster game against the Seahawks a few weeks ago, would have yet another great game. 26 carries for 144 yards rushing and one touchdown. And then Devontae, Devontae Adams, the big-time wide receiver, arguably one of the best wide receivers in the NFL, would have himself yet another monster game, who's having a really solid campaign in Las Vegas. I know it's kind of getting not talked about a lot due to the, you know, the Raiders really being a disappointment this year but he's done really good eight receptions for 177 yards receiving in this game also got two receiving touchdowns as well not too bad for Mr. Adams whatsoever Derek Carr did okay 16 to 30 250 yards passing with two touchdowns and one interception but you don't really have to do a lot when you've got guys like Josh Jacobs Devontae Adams and this is without even having you know his other two really good uh, weapons in Hunter Renfro and then also Darren Waller so, you know, this Raider offense was really good this game. And then for the Chargers, their offense wasn't as bad. You know, didn't get a lot going in the run game, which, you know, obviously they're going to become more of a passing offense, especially with what you can – or especially how you can use Austin Eckler in terms of the pass game. Keenan Allen had a great game, six receptions for 88 yards receiving and a touchdown. Gerald Everett had 80 yards receiving. Austin Eckler had 67. Josh Palmer had 60 yards receiving. So pretty good all-around game by the Chargers offense. Uh, Justin Herbert would go 28 of 47, 335 yards passing with one touchdown and zero interceptions. But the biggest problem, and it continues to be just him getting pressured so much during the game, had five sacks, also would fumble the ball twice. Luckily enough, they would recover it twice too, so they didn't give the Raiders any, you know, didn't give them the football outside of one Austin Eckler fumble. But, um, you know, just pressure continues to be a major issue for the Los Angeles Chargers, especially their offensive line. You know, obviously, you're going up against a really good pass rush with guys like Max Crosby and Chandler Jones, who was an absolute monster in this game, had three sacks, you know, really his first good game, you know, as a Raider. So, but overall, all these efforts by that Raider team, the defense doing really good, limiting what Justin Herbert did, and then also the offense with Devontae Adams, and then also Josh Jacobs having another monster game, it led them to another really good, you know, quality win 
over a positive Los Angeles Chargers team as the Raiders. They would get the W 27-20 over the Chargers as the Raiders, they now improve to 5-7 and seven on the year. And the Chargers, they now fall to 6-6 six and six and now sit dead at six or now sit dead at 500 record wise so really good game we've had a lot of good games so far in the Sunday slate and it got even better as on Sunday night football we had the Indianapolis Colts led by their new interim head coach Jeff Saturday who's not done you know the worst job you know possible obviously not having a lot of coaching experience was kind of a concern you know won his first game then lost to the Pittsburgh Steelers on Monday night football had a really questionable kind of end of the game especially with clock management management wise and you know wasn't going to get any better as they're going down to AT&T Stadium to take on Dak Prescott and that thriving Dallas Cowboys defense as well so but um in this game the Colts offense just continued to struggle this entire time, especially with Dallas's defensive line absolutely keeping Jonathan Taylor to pretty much nothing, you know, especially in the second half. Now, Jonathan Taylor would rack up 82 uh, rushing yards on the day on 21 carries, but if you watched how the second half went, I mean, really could not get anything going against that defensive line of the Cowboys. Matt Ryan looked awful in this game, 21-37, 233 yards passing with two touchdowns and three interceptions on the day. One of those being to the former Indianapolis Colts first-round pick back in 2017, Malik Hooker out of Ohio State. And, well, this was definitely a revenge game for Malik Hooker as not only would he have an interception on the day, he also would have a fumble recovery for a touchdown. So I think it's definitely safe to say his revenge game went pretty darn well against his former team. You know, the Colts just offensively struggled heavily in the second half and well, the fourth quarter would be one to remember as the Dallas Cowboys would put up 33 unanswered points going into the fourth quarter. Because going into the fourth, the Cowboys were beating the Colts 21-19. to And well, just all hell broke loose for the Indianapolis Colts. As Dak Prescott struggled a lot in this game, just accuracy-wise, you know, under-throwing or being behind his receivers. But overall, not a horrible day. 20 for 30, 170 yards passing with three touchdowns and one interception. Now the run game of the Cowboys continued to look really good. The tandem of Tony Pollard and Ezekiel Elliott continues to be one of the best 1A, 1B duos in the NFL with Pollard racking up 91 rushing yards in this game and two touchdowns. Ezekiel Elliott would have 77 rushing yards and then touchdown as well. And then also receiving-wise, nothing crazy. CeeDee Lane would lead them, who, I mean, he absolutely had the, one of the best heads-up plays. You will see rolled on top of the defender to get back up on his feet and went right into the end zone as CeeDee Lamb on the day would have five receptions for 71 yards uh, rushing and one touchdown. And then when you look at how the defense of the Cowboys played, I mean, they didn't get any like, crazy number of sacks. They had three sacks on the day, six tackle for losses. But, man, the pressure that they were getting to Matt Ryan absolutely just disrupted everything that that team wanted to do. Deron Bland, who was a, who was a rookie cornerback for the Dallas Cowboys out of Fresno State, he balled out and is starting to look like a really good late-round steal for the Cowboys. And, man, oh, man, was this just the Cowboys game, especially in that fourth quarter where they put up 33 unanswered as they would blow out the Indianapolis Colts on Sunday night football. 54 to 19 and yes that is a real NFL score 54 to 19 Jeff Saturday suffers his worst loss so far as interim head coach as the Cowboys continue to roll and they improve to 9 and 3 on the season in the Indianapolis Colts they now fall to 4 8 and 1 now, y'all, as we all know, we got one more game left here in Week 13, so we're going to go out to Monday Night Football down in Tampa Bay as we had the New Orleans Saints led by Andy Dalton taking on Tom Brady and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. 
And, you know, in this game, I always, you know, uh, in the preview, I talked about how the Saints, they have one bad week, one good week, one bad week, one good week. And, well, last week, they had a bad week. So, as we can all figure going into this game, it had to have been a good week, right? You know, you're going down to Tampa Bay, which... For some reason, ever since Tom Brady's come over, they've always dominated in these games, especially on primetime, and now they're going to be playing on Monday night football against Brady. And, you know, for the Buccaneers, you know, how are you going to get your offense going? You struggled in overtime against the Browns last week, a game in which you should have won, but... Despite that, you know, they got Leonard Fournette back this week. You know, they pretty much were healthy for the most part. And in this game, Tampa uh, Tampa Bay was just lifeless. I mean, they couldn't throw the football. They couldn't run the football. They just really couldn't do anything. Had multiple multiple turnovers in this game, one being a fumble by Rashad White and then another one being an interception by Tom Brady. But, you know, the funniest part about those two guys who had the two turnovers in this game, they would be the ones that would come back and win this game for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. As going into the fourth quarter, the Bucs would be down 16-3. to The game looked pretty much over. The Saints defense was destroying the offensive line of the Buccaneers. Donovan Smith was horrible in this game, almost cost the Bucs. I mean, I think he has 32 holding penalties since 2015, which is just it, that that is that is literally the worst in the NFL, and while Tom Brady just somehow does it again, leads in a miracle comeback on the final drive, connects with Rashad White, who had that fumble early on in the game, as they get into the end zone and take the lead with only three seconds left in the game. As it's, it's you know just it's funny because this Tampa Bay team had no like no offense through three pretty much three and a half quarters of football had no offense right. But then the final two drives of the game, they just were connecting on all cylinders as Tom Brady would finish up the game going 36 of 54, 281 yards passing with two touchdowns and one interception. Um, Rushing-wise, nothing crazy. Leonard Fournette with 50 rushing yards, Rashad White with 28. Um, same same kind of case with receiving-wise. Chris Godwin, who should have had the game-winning touchdown, but Donovan Smith got that you know overturned because of a holding call. Uh, he would have 63 receiving yards on the day. Mike Evans with 59, and then Rashad White with 41, and then obviously the game-winning touchdown. And, you know, the Buccaneers, you know, who lost Rob Gronkowski at the tight end position, O.J. Howard left in free agency, you know, Cameron Brait's always been there, but still, eh, you know, they got themselves a really good rookie tight end in Cade Otten, who may not be a statistic juggernaut, but is a really solid and reliable weapon, 28 receiving yards on the day with a touchdown as well, which kind of helped gain gain uh, Tampa Bay a lot more momentum, you know, especially going into their final drive. And, you know, on the flip side for the Saints, I mean, just another case of they cannot finish games like we've seen with so many NFL teams. You know, offensively, they were dominating, you know, the first half and second half. They were doing pretty good. Andy Dalton on the day would go 19 and 27, 225 yards passing with one touchdown and zero interceptions. But that offensive line of the Saints is what would kill them on the final drive as Andy Dalton would get sacked, which would ultimately force them to have to punt the ball and you know gave Tom Brady and the Bucks the ball back with a little under two minutes and that's all the time that they would need running the football couldn't get anything going Alvin Kamara still continues to have a pretty rough month and a half only having 26 rushing yards in this game um, receiving wise Rashid uh, Rashid Shahid continued to be one of the few rookie, you know, stars at wide receiver that we have in the NFL this year. You know, also alongside his rookie uh, teammate in Chris Olave, who did pretty good in this game. Both of them had over 60 yards receiving. Rashid was 71, and then Chris was 65. Um, Taysom Hill continued to do Taysom Hill things in this game. 
35 receiving yards and a touchdown also threw the football one time for a completion of 21 yards but ultimately it would be the fact that the New Orleans Saints would shoot themselves in the foot you know stupid defensive penalties Paulson Paulson Adebo getting pass interference on the one yard line on Mike Evans which he did not need to do whatsoever that would cost the New Orleans Saints in this game on Monday Night Football as the New, as the Tampa Bay Buccaneers come back once again led by their Hall of Fame quarterback Tom Brady to beat their in-division rival, the New Orleans Saints, 17-16 on Monday Night Football as we now have wrapped up all of our action from Week 13 of the 2022 NFL season. So, guys, thank you so much for listening to today's recap. Please make sure that you like, comment, share, rate, do whatever you can just to make sure that we continue to spread the Cover 7 podcast to everybody so that they can also stay up to date with anything college football and NFL related. So guys, thank you so much for listening to today's uh, episode. Also make sure to check out NFL Week 14 preview episode, which will be coming out tomorrow at 12 p.m. Central Time. So guys, thank you so much for listening, and I'll talk to you all then. Peace, y'all.